Good morning. My name is Stephen, one of the pastors here. I hope you guys had a good extended weekend uh, last week with 4th of July. This was our first 4th of July here in the Pacific Northwest. And y'all do it big. Let me tell you, like, I've, I've never lived in a place that does that. I mean, we literally, my wife and I, we put, out our, uh, we put out some of our patio furniture literally just in our driveway and watched seven houses light off like city-style fireworks. It was absolutely incredible. Uh, I don't know if this is just suppressed anger about the rain for months and months and months that just needs to explode literally uh, in the sky. But there is something, and Portland, we might need to seek some help to figure out what's going on here. Uh, We are in week three, church, of this Encountering Jesus series. And the vision is that we believe that Jesus is alive. We believe that the Bible is alive and it's authoritative. And we believe that Jesus is encountering us as we open uh, his word and as we look at his life today. We believe that when we encounter Jesus, Jesus changes our lives. Uh, Last week, we looked in John 1, and Jesus encountered us with a question. The question was, what do you want? And we looked at three things. We talked about how if we, if we want to live a new life, look to the Lamb who takes away our sin and gives us new birth and makes us new. We said if you, if you want to uh, live in a new way, look to the teacher who gives you his example and his spirit to live in a new power. And if we want to live in a new world, look to the Christ who will one day make all things new. This week, we are going to encounter another question, but not from Jesus. It's a question about Jesus. And the question is, who is this? Who is this Jesus? Who is he? The question is like, who is he? And this got me thinking about uh, this question of like, when somebody doesn't know who someone is, it reminded me of this, uh, some of my favorite old YouTube videos are the old like Uncle Drew Pepsi uh, uh, YouTube videos. Some of you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about, Stephen. Uh, There's a movie, it's not funny, but the YouTube videos are funny. And what it is, is an NBA player uh, will get dressed up as like, and get prospects and like a, and makeup and stuff and he'll look like a, an old man and he'll go out to like some uh, some pickup games and absolutely like wreck people that think they're good at basketball and it's hilarious because you have this guy who looks like he's you know 70 years old who's out there and how it always starts is like he's not very good right he's got to kind of play the ringer role right where it's like you're out there you're getting dunked on you're out there getting you know getting the ball stolen from you but then all of a sudden the NBA player who's dressed up as this you know older man just flips the switch, right? And he starts crossing over uh, these players, these players, right? And they're like, what is going on, right? And all of a sudden, he's shooting these deep threes from, you know, the parking lot and making them. And people are like, what is going on? Uh, some of you are like, Lord, may it be so, right? <laughs> you want this to happen. And all of a sudden, and eventually people start asking, who is this guy? Like, this can't be what it is because here's the deal. Like, uh, uh, Scott Ballard is not taken off from the free throw line and dunking a basketball. I love you. Uh, in the new kingdom, you will, but it's not happening this weekend. <laughs> People are wondering, what is going on here, right? Because it's not normal, uh, you know, for somebody with a bunch of gray hair to be taken off and doing windmill dunks or throwing alley-oops. And it's also not normal for a man to stop a storm with a word. It's not normal for a man to stop a storm with a word. Today, we're going to be looking at Jesus calming the storm and the disciples asking, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? Today, we are encountered by God's word with a question we all must answer. And it's one of the most important questions we ever could answer. Who is 
Jesus. Who is Jesus? And before we jump in, I just want to pray that, we would, uh, that would, God would help us prepare to encounter his word and to be able to answer this question, that God would open our hearts to be able to receive today, that we might encounter him today. So would you pray with me, church? Jesus, thank you that your word is alive, that it is authoritative, that it is active, that it is shaping us, that it is changing us. And Lord, as we encounter you and your word today, would you change us? Would we be comforted by who you are? Would we be challenged by who you are? And Lord, would today increase our faith in you? Lord, thank you that you are the one who can calm the storm with just a word. Help us to have faith and believe that you can still today. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Mark 4. We're going to be looking at verses 35 to 41, and we're just going to dive in. We're going to be reading this account a few different times. Uh, so let's just dive in uh, for take number one here. Mark 4, verses 35 to 41. And if you don't have a Bible, you can go back uh, after the gathering to the Get Connected table, or you can do it now, and get a Bible. It's a gift for you. Uh, and if you're just generally looking, how do I get connected here? Check out the Get Connected table. So Mark 4, verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowds behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him, and a furious squalor windstorm came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down. And it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? It's our question. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. We're answering the question, Who is this man? Who is Jesus? If you're taking notes, I got four points for us. Number one, Jesus is... <laughs> The exhausted one. <laughs> He's the exhausted one. He is fully man. Let's, stay, let's set the stage here. Jesus was teaching by the Sea of Galilee, and large crowds form. And he has to teach from the boat because uh, in those days, you know, there's no amplified sound, right? Jesus is fully man. He can't use his special Jesus voice and have like a, a Bose amplified system around him, right? Like he's fully man here. And so what you do is you get out on the boat away from the shore. And what you do is you have the sound echo off the lake. It's why you, when you're across a lake, you can hear somebody's private conversation, you know, all the way across the way. And you're like, they're not even shouting. I can hear it. There's amplified sound. I'm no scientist, but I do know that. And so Jesus is fully man. He gets out onto the boat and he teaches all day. He's with people all day. And uh, he then gets in the boat with his disciples to go to the other side of the lake or go to the other side of the sea, which is huge. Uh, for reference, the Sea of Galilee is twice the size, roughly, of Crater Lake. So if you've ever been to Crater Lake, it's large. The Sea of Galilee is about twice that size. So you're not just like walking across it for a nice like leisurely stroll. They have to sail across because, again, Jesus is fully man. He, he's not just, let me use my teleportation, you know, like device. Every, uh, disciples all hang on. We're going to press the button and transport to the other side. No, he's fully man. And we also got to remember with this story that John and James, Peter and Andrew, at least four of the 12 disciples, all were fishermen before they started following Jesus. They grew up on this sea. This is like their hometown. This is, their, this is where their family, you know, business was on this body of water. They know it well. They don't need to look for, you don't need to look for directions in your hometown. You don't need a map, right? You just know it like the back of your hand, right? That's this lake for these disciples. And so what do they do? They set off for the other side. And Jesus is tired. Like, 
Let that sink in for a second. Again, this point is that Jesus is fully man. He is the exhausted one. Jesus is tired from preaching and being around people all day. He's tired from healing. He's tired from just being on. How much of us, you resonate with this, like just the the wear and tear, the demands, the, the emotional exhaustion of just being on, hearing Jesus would have been hearing, you know, people's stories. He would have been hearing, he would have been teaching all day. This would have been exhausting. And he falls asleep on the boat and a storm rolls in. And certainly the disciples would have encountered storms before. They were common on the Sea of Galilee. It was, it was common knowledge. But this storm was different. The waves are growing. The rain is pouring down. The wind is howling. And what starts as a, huh, I think a storm's rolling in turns into something annoying like come on really you're gonna get a storm on the come on can we catch some good weather you know it's us in june the last week of june like come on raining again like what is going on here like it was like two days after fourth of july right it was raining again this week it's like come on can we catch a break the storm you know gets annoying and then it starts to turn into oh no like this this is something much more than just mere annoying this is the classic like i got it i got it i got it I don't got it. Like, what's going on here? Like, this happened to me. Again, pride comes before the fall, right? Like, uh, our son needed some eye drops for, like, uh, a little bit of, like, an eye infection, right? And I thought, how hard can it be to give your child eye drops? <laughs> the answer is extremely difficult. I, like, I, like, I'm, like, basically having to hog tie my son, trying to wrench his eye open. I mean, it was, I'm an awesome father, right? I don't know. We're all going to be in therapy after it. Let me tell you. So, so the waves start crashing in the boat, right? This is the, this is the time. Well, I got it. No, you don't. Uh, I, how it ended was me uh, shouting at Kelsey, I need help, right? This is the disciples. I, we need help here, Jesus, right? The, the waves are crashing. The water's pouring in. And Jesus is sleeping, which is wild, right? Like, Jesus is sleeping here. This first point is that Jesus is the exhausted one, but really I could have titled it, who is Jesus? He is the world's heaviest sleeper, right? Like he's sleeping in a storm. Like just the boat would have been rocking, right? Like he's seasick just thinking about it. Like the rain is pouring in. It's cold, like all this stuff, right? I need, I need a sound machine. I need like a fan on. I need it to be nice and dark. I'm basically an infant when it comes to sleeping. Everyone in those back couple rows, you know what I'm talking about. You have your sound machine going. I'm just, I'm just curious, uh, Jesus is sleeping in a hurricane, you know, I, I got my, you know, that's why I don't like camping, is because I can't bring all my, like, princess gear, right, with me for sleeping, and so I'm just curious, a quick show of hands, how many of you are like me, and you need, you need some assistance to sleep, you need some sound, you need some things like that, how many of you are like, I want it pitch, just totally silent, and, and you don't want any sound at all, how many of you are there? Look around, you know not who to trust now. <laughs> all right. Jesus is out here sleeping in the hurricane. The disciples have reached the place where this storm is not just annoying or anxiety-inducing. It's scary, right? It's deadly. Terror sets in. This storm is going to kill us. We're going to drown here. And in a panic, they wake Jesus. They ask him, do you even care about us? You're sleeping while we're perishing. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't grab a bucket and say, oh, my goodness, we've got to get this water out of the boat, right? He doesn't, doesn't go to a strategic crisis management. He doesn't start uh, grabbing the wheel and saying, we're going to steer ourselves through this storm. We're going to get through it. 
He doesn't give the inspiring speech. He doesn't, you know, stand up master and commander at the head of the boat and say, you know, there, he doesn't do like the, what, the, the brave heart. They may take our wives, but they'll never take our freedom and give the inspiring speech. He doesn't say, today is not the day that will perish men, you know, stand strong to the end. No, he doesn't do this. Instead, he says three words, quiet, be still. And then something unbelievable happens. The storm stops. All is completely calm. And then they ask our question, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Who is this Jesus? He is the exhausted one, sleeping after a tiring day. If you're tired, Jesus relates. He is fully man. He is fully man. He can relate to our trials, our struggles, our realities. He knows what it's like to be tired. He knows what it's like to be, torn out, to be worn out. He knows what it's like to be human. He doesn't just walk with like a glow around him, immune from the pain and the struggles of life. Jesus understands. But that's not all. He's not just the exhausted one. He's not just fully man. He's also number two, if you're taking notes. He's also Lord over all creation. He is fully God. He's fully God. If you're, you know, we, last week we talked about theology matters. Uh, this is, uh, you don't need to write this down or anything, but this is what theology calls the hypostatic union, that Jesus is fully God and fully man in one person. They don't compete with each other. He is the only one who is fully God and fully man. And who is this that the wind and the waves obey him? And we just got to be honest, this is a fair question. Because not you not me, not anyone can go outside and tell the rain to stop and it listens. If you can, why have you been holding out on us like all spring? Like, if you could do it, it'd be a great, this is a great place for you to use that spiritual gift. Uh, no, this doesn't happen. But Jesus says a word and creation obeys him. Who is Jesus? Jesus is Lord over all creation. Creation obeys Jesus for he created them. They are hearing their master's voice. They are hearing their master's voice. Colossians 1, this is Paul reflecting on who Jesus is. It says this, Colossians 1, 15 to 17, it'll be up on the screen. It says, the son Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. All things were created by Jesus and for Jesus and through Jesus. The voice who called everything into being in Genesis 1, that voice who said, let there be, is Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the one who said, let there be water. He's the one who said, let there be sky. He's the one who said, let there be wind. And now he is telling the water to be still and it obeys for it recognizes its creator's voice. Jesus is the Christ, but he's also the creator, which means he is Lord of all. This is who Jesus is. 19th century Dutch theologian, told you we got theology matters. Abraham Kuyper famously said, this is one of my favorite quotes, he said, it'll be up on the screen, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Jesus looks out at all of creation and says, mine, this is my property, it belongs to me, I am Lord over it. 
Jesus is Lord of all of life, all of your life, all of my life, all of our life, and all of life itself. As we encounter Jesus today, as we encounter him today, we have an invitation today to elevate our view of Jesus. Jesus is not merely Lord of Bible studies and tithing and worship music. He is Lord of all. Jesus is not merely a personal Savior who sits and rules and reigns on the throne of your heart. He is Lord of all creation who rules and reigns on the throne over all things. Jesus is Lord. That Colossians 1 passage goes on to say in verse 19, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Don't miss this. Catch what this verse says. Who is Jesus? He is God. He is fully God. Jesus is fully God, and he's Lord over all things who reconciles all things through his blood. This means that there is not one bit, there is not one uh, speck of the universe that Jesus is not coming to emancipate from the tyranny of sin. Last week we talked about this. Jesus is reconciling all things and he is restoring all things. Satan wins nothing. Jesus says from the throne, he is victorious and he says he is making all things new. Jesus is the victorious Lord and he is God of all and he's coming back to get what is his, all things. That's good news, amen? Amen. Jesus is Lord. The wind and the waves obey Jesus because he is God. And we are called to do the same, church. Jesus plainly says, why do you call me Lord and not do what I tell you? Jesus says this plainly, why do you call me Lord and not do what I tell you? He is not just some moral teacher that we can take or leave. Eh, takes, you know, eat the meat, spit out the bones with Jesus. Like, no, he is Lord. He says to those who love him to obey him. And the invitation today is to have faith and follow the Lord over all of life. In all of life. Even in the storm. I'll tell you that again. The invitation is to have faith and follow the Lord over all of life. In all of your life. Even in the storm. The question over today is who is Jesus? He's number one. He's the exhausted one, fully man. He's the exalted one, right? He's not just the exhausted one. He's the exalted one. He's the Lord over all creation. He's fully God. And number three, if you're taking notes, he is the shepherd in the storm. He is the shepherd in the storm. See, Jesus is not just the abstract Lord over all things. He's Lord over all the things in your life as well. He's not just far off and distant He's near and personal. He's Lord over all the things in your life as well. I want to read the text again. I think it's helpful sometimes to read a passage from a few different versions just so we can catch it afresh. And so this time I'll read from the ESV. Uh, It says it's starting in verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, that's Jesus, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking in the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was at the stern, sleeping on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. 
And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The Bible's real. This was a real storm with real people walking through real fear. I just want to ask, uh, we can do a show of hands here. Have you ever been in a, how many of you have ever been in a storm that was legitimately scary? How many of you guys have been there? Right? I've been there. If you've got lunch plans with somebody who's raised their hand, you've got to hear that story, right? Hear what happened. My story was in Tucson. Here's the thing. Uh, everything in uh, Arizona just happens to the extreme. You know, it doesn't rain, but it'll rain for like three days the whole year's worth. Because these things called monsoons, right? So in Tucson, there were monsoons. Uh, you can't make this stuff up. In Phoenix, there's something literally called a haboob. I'm not making this up. There's a thing called a haboob, which is a giant dust storm that comes into the entire city and like makes it look like it's something out of like a Marvel villain did something to the city, right? It's completely covered up. But for me, uh, the thing that was really scary was we're in our neighborhood and there's lightning that just takes your breath away. And, and like literally I, we're sitting on our front porch and you think it's like fun watching the lightning and the rain coming in, but you start noticing the trees are bending more than they should be, right? And you're like, the trees are snapping. You hear the lightning. You can literally see it striking in the neighborhood. There's flash floods where you literally get feet of water within like a few hours. It's crazy. And it's legitimately scary, like, right? And, and, and they... they Many of us, we've been in these types of storms where it's just, it's legitimately scary. And the reality is life is full of storms. And for many of us right now, we're walking through storms. And it's important that we remember that Jesus is the shepherd in your storm. This, this imagery of calming the storm harkens back to Psalm 23, which says, The Lord is my shepherd, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This famous Psalm 23. And this psalm talks about how the Lord is the shepherd, how God leads us beside still waters, right? It talks about how the Lord leads us beside still waters. But Jesus is the Lord. He is God. He is the good shepherd who can turn our storms into still waters. Jesus is the Lord. He's the good shepherd who can turn your storm. He can turn your storm into still waters as well. See, many of us, we're walking through things. Some of us are walking through the storm of sickness or disease or cancer, and the waves are crashing into your boat. For some of you, you're watching your parents suffer and age, and you're being battered by the winds of the storm. Some of us are walking through infertility or miscarriage or a terrifying diagnosis for your child. And the dreams you had for life are being drowned under the water. Some of us are navigating through the choppy waters of loss of a job, loss of a friendship, loss of a home, loss of community, loss of reputation. Some of us are in the storm of, of grief or the storm of adultery or the storm of betrayal. Some of us are in the storm of anxiety. We're in the storm of depression, the storms of sorrow. Some of us are in the storm of estrangement. You never thought your family, you knew it happened, but you never thought your family would be the one that holidays come and go and there's just an empty table. And it hurts. The storm is raging. And it's bigger than your boat. But it isn't bigger than Jesus. 
The storm is raging and it is bigger than your boat and you feel it. But you need to hear this morning, you need to have faith this morning that it's not bigger than Jesus. There are many storms in this room today and Jesus is the shepherd in your storm. He is able to calm it. He is able to guide you through it. Jesus is stronger than the cancer. Jesus is the redeemer in the loss. Jesus is greater than that diagnosis. And Jesus is able to calm your storm. Do you believe it? The, the waves are tall. We just sing about it. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief, right? The waves are tall. The wind is cold. The water is rising. The boat won't hold. But do we have faith that Jesus is the good shepherd who cares for you and can handle the storm? Jesus is good. He loves you. And he can handle your storm. That's good news, amen? See, last week, they talked about this, but we could share story after story of, of healing. We could share for this week, story after story of, of, of Jesus calming the storms of our lives. And, and, and we could hear stories of renewal and life. And we need to hear these to remember that Jesus is greater than the storm. We need to hear stories of encouragement. We need to hear stories of healing. We need to hear stories of God calming the storm to help us remember when we're walking through our storm. And for our family, Jesus has shepherded us through the storm with our son, Judah. Many of you know this story. Many of you have walked with us through the story, but I know there's people that are new in the room and we got some new updates that we want to share with you. And we want to give God the glory in the story of all of our life, but particularly in this one. And so uh, our son, he just turned one year old uh, last month. He uh, was born and uh, within about a few months, we started you know, moving up here. And so the thing with Judah is his middle name is, is Luke. So it's Judah Luke Collins and his name, his middle name literally means bringer of light. Uh, and that's who he was. His personality was a sunshiny, sweet, fun, just baby. Uh, he was easygoing and just awesome, just laughing, having fun, smiling, sweet boy. We move up here. Things are going great. We're getting plugged in. We literally had him on stage in his little uh, sling up here, and he was laughing. He was winning over the church, right, with that, and it was just amazing, and then things started to change. We started to notice that his personality was changing. He stopped making eye contact with us, and just things were starting to just get weird. And my wife started to notice he was doing this weird motion with his head where he kept kind of ticking and seemed like he was in pain. We're like, what is going on here? I'm like, oh, let's just keep an eye on it, see what's going on. And then things started to progress in a scary way where all of a sudden he, he wouldn't even engage with anything around him. He'd just basically lay there or cry and it was uh, overwhelming. And so we uh, we're going to the airport to drop off uh, my mother-in-law. She was coming out for an early Christmas. And so, uh, and he started having this episode over and over again. And my wife caught it on video. We called the doctor, showed him the video, and he said, it looks like your son's having seizures. You need to go to the emergency room right now. So we go to the emergency room, and they hook him up to every single test imaginable. We're there for multiple days, running test after test after test. And the doctor comes in. I'll never forget this. She comes in. She says, sit down. Uh, your son has a rare brain disease uh, called infantile spasms, and this is very bad news. Uh, she says to us that um, there's no guarantee that the treatment we're going to try is even going to work. Um, and you need to know this, that about 20% of kids, there's a positive outcome. Um, about 50% of kids, there's just a spectrum, and it's kind of a mess. And just so you know, 30% of kids that have this never walk, never talk, and he'll never know who you are. 
And, um, you know, that is terrifying for a parent. And, and what she says is infantile spasms. What it is is, there's a, and these are her words, not mine. She says, there's a storm going on in your son's brain. And it's manifesting in two things. There's a uh, seizures that you're seeing, and then all that development that stopped and his personality that's changed is being caused by this storm. And so what we did is that day in uh, December, we called you guys, we called our church back in Arizona, we called our friends, we called our family, we called everyone to fast and to pray that Jesus would calm the storm in our son's brain. And she told us, we got this medicine, we'll try it. It's not even uh, the highest likelihood of working. We're just going to see this and see what happens. And what I can say is from the day that you guys started praying, um, from the, the week that we started fasting, Judah has not had a seizure. The next time we went in from the scan, the storm was completely gone and his development has returned. He is walking now. He is crawling and he's doing amazing. God calms storms. And he's still taking five medications a day. We don't know exactly what's going to happen. He's seeing a, basically a specialist doctor once a week, and it's overwhelming. But God has worked in this. And we literally saw one of his eye specialists because the way these seizures manifested is a lot of action with his eyes. And she said to him, she said to us that uh, she sees, uh, the ophthalmologist said that of all, she sees a lot of infantile spasms kids. And she said, of every kid she's ever seen come through here, Judah's the one that literally is having the best uh, prognosis. And we're just saying, like, praise God for this. And we say, like, this is amazing. We say, God, this is your story of you healing. And you guys got to partner with us. It was so encouraging and so moving. I'm still hearing stories of this. People saying, I've never fasted and prayed, but we did for your son. People saying, like, I've, I've never done this, but I did it for your son. And we just want to say thank you for walking with us. Many of you, every, there's not a Sunday that goes by that someone doesn't ask me, how's your son doing? We're praying for him. And I just want to say thank you for being in this with us, for being in our boat with us, Right? And this is amazing. And I, is, we think about it and we just weep with gratitude for what God's done in our son's life. But sometimes Jesus doesn't calm the storm. He only shepherds us through it. See, our son Judah had an amazing, incredible, miraculous experience. But my wife Kelsey hasn't. See, she has a storm in her body as well. Her pancreas doesn't work. Her autoimmune system uh, it shuts down and it betrays her often. And her storm hasn't stopped. My wife, she was, you know, 18, running track and field, getting ready to get a track scholarship, and she gets diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. We've prayed, we've fasted, we've asked God to have this go away, to have it stop, because he's able. And he hasn't. In fact, rather than it stopping, she got three more autoimmune diseases. Sometimes you pray that the storm stops and a bigger wave comes. And I think it's important that we hear the stories of the storm calming, but I think it's also important that we hear the stories too where the storm didn't stop, but neither did the care of God. We hear the stories where the storm didn't stop, but neither did the faithfulness of God. Where we hear the stories of, of someone holding on to their faith, even in the pain, even in the storm. So we see in our own family, We've seen storms stop and we've seen the winds howl. And these guys, what do we do with this tension? What do we do with this? This, this isn't, when people talk about what do you do with the suffering in the world, this isn't some abstract conversation for us, right? It's not an abstract conversation for my family. 
We're dealing with real people with real diagnosis and real pain and real suffering and real questions. What do we do with this? I don't have the answer to every question. No one does. But author and pastor Andrew Wilson has a paradigm that's helped me through this, that's pastored me through it, and I hope it encourages you as well. And he argues that the question is not if God will heal. The question is when. He says, for those who follow Jesus, the question is not if God will heal, but when. Because sometimes we get to taste it. We get to see it. We get to experience the calming of the storm and healing. We get to see it here and now. And it's incredible. Sometimes, sometimes God heals through our bodies, right? Like if you ever got over a cold, if you ever got over the flu, if you ever got over being sick, it's because God has healed you through this amazing body he's designed for you. Sometimes God heals through medicine. Sometimes he even heals through the miraculous where you pray and you lay hands on someone and then the cancer's gone, the tumor's gone. We could, again, open the mic and hear these stories. Sometimes it's through medicine, sometimes it's through miraculous intervention. But all of this is God's grace and mercy breaking into the here and now. Every bit of it. And sometimes we do get to see that in the here and now. Sometimes God chooses to heal. But sometimes he chooses to do it only once he returns. Sometimes he chooses to do it once he returns. Andrew Wilson, he paints this beautiful picture. I'm just going to read it. For those who are in Christ, he says, One day the trumpet will sound. The dead are raised. Restored bodies become incorruptible. Sickness and pain are done. The sterile smell of the operating room corridor is no more. One day every hospital will be shut down. One day every doctor is going to be out of a job. One day every cancer institute will have no need anymore. And that smell and that sight will be no more. Every deaf ear is unblocked. Every damaged limb is repaired. Every blind eye sees. Everyone in a wheelchair is going to run. And autism and Down syndrome and schizophrenia and Alzheimer's disease are all swallowed up in victory. I'll add infantile spasms, celiac and diabetes will one day face their demise. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And nobody cries except with joy. I long for this day. I long for the day where my son will no longer have any effect of this horrible disease in his body. I long for the day when my wife will be set free. I long for the day when your storm will fully be calmed. And recognizing these Various types of healing can help us with the questions we so often ask, Wilson says. Why doesn't God always heal? He does, eventually. I say whether today through medicine or the miraculous or on the final day of restoration, one day, Christian, you will be healed. One day, your storm will stop. One day, Kelsey will be healed and she'll never take insulin again. One day, all the effects of infantile spasms and brain disease will be totally eradicated. And we pray we'd see it here and now. I pray we'd see it today. But no matter what, it's coming. It's certain. And the question is, do we have faith and believe it? See, Jesus encounters the disciples on the boat with a similar question. He says, why are you afraid? Why do you still have no faith? And Jesus encounters us with this question as well. If we truly know who Jesus is, then we can have faith in him even when we face the storm. 
Let me say it again. If we truly know who Jesus is, then we can have faith in him even when we face the storm. Don't be afraid. Have faith in Jesus. Who is he? One, he's the exhausted one. He's fully man. Two, he's the Lord over all creation. He's fully God. Three, he's the shepherd in the storm. And four, who is Jesus? He's near. He's with you in your boat. Where is Jesus in the storm? He's in the boat. Where's Jesus in the storm? He's in the boat. When the disciples were in their storm, Jesus was in the boat with them. When you are in your storm with the storm you're walking through, Jesus is with you, friends. Right now, in all that you're walking through, he is near. Jesus feels the wind. He sees the waves. He's with you in your storm. So many things in life, they're painful, but they're unbearable if you do them alone. They're unbearable if you have to walk through it alone. God gives you his spirit to dwell in you. God gives you his presence to be with you. And he gives you his people to surround you as a tangible expression and comfort of his love. You are not alone. You are not alone. And yet the disciples asked Jesus a question, and it's the one we're all asking in our storm. Jesus, don't you care? Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care that I'm drowning? Don't you care, Jesus? See, Peter was in that boat. He's asking Jesus this question. He's asking Jesus, don't you care? And that same Peter later asks, he later says, to cast all of our cares and anxieties on Jesus because he cares for you. Peter goes from asking Jesus, do you even care? To cast all your cares on Jesus. And we have to ask, like, what changed? What changed for Peter? From going to, do you even care? To encouraging everyone to cast your cares on him. What changed? Peter saw Jesus die for him. And Peter encountered the risen Jesus. Peter encountered the risen Jesus. How do I know? How does Peter know? How can we know? How can we actually know that Jesus cares for us? If you have any doubts about God's unshakable care for you and his unwavering commitment to you, church, look to the cross. Look to the nails in Jesus' hands. Look to the nails in Jesus' feet. Look at the crown of thorns. Look to the cross. His love is keeping him there. His love for you is keeping him there. Jesus died in our place for our sins so we could be with him forever. Jesus cares for you that much. Jesus didn't just calm a storm for his disciples. He died for his disciples. And Jesus doesn't just calm your storm. He dies in your place. He dies in our place. So in closing, church, I want to read one more description of the calming of the storm. And it's from the Jesus Storybook Bible. I'm just going to read it. Now Jesus' friends had been fishermen all their lives. But in all their years fishing on this lake, they had never once seen a storm like this one. No matter how hard they struggled with their ropes and sails, they couldn't control the boat. This storm was too big for them. But the storm wasn't too big for Jesus. They screamed, help, wake up, Jesus, quick. And Jesus opened his eyes. They yelled, rescue us, save us, do you care? 
Of course Jesus cared. This is the very reason he had come, to rescue them and to save them. And Jesus stood up and he spoke to the storm. He said, hush, that's all. And the strangest thing happened. The wind and the waves recognized Jesus' voice. They had heard it before, of course. It was the same voice that made them in the very beginning. They listened to Jesus and did what he said. And immediately the wind stopped. The water calmed down. It glittered innocently in the moonlight and lapped quietly against the side of the boat as if nothing had happened. The little boat bobbed gently up and down. There was deep stillness and a great quiet all around. And Jesus turned to his wind-torn friends and said, Why were you scared? Did you forget who I am? Did you believe your fears instead of me? Jesus' friends were quiet, as quiet as the wind and the waves. And in their hearts came a different kind of storm. And they asked themselves, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They said because they didn't understand. They didn't realize yet that Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus' friends had been so afraid. They'd only seen the big waves. They'd forgotten that. If Jesus was with them, then they had nothing to be afraid of. No matter how small their boat or how big the storm. Who is this Jesus? When the storm comes, what do you believe about Jesus? Do you believe he knows what it's like to be exhausted and experience the storms of life? He does. Do you believe he's God, the Lord over all creation and all of life? He is. Do you believe he's the shepherd who cares for you in every storm? He has proven it on the cross. And do you believe that he is with you in your boat? He is. So don't be afraid. So even in your storm today, we can have faith in Jesus because we know who he is. No matter what waters are ahead, let us look in faith to the one who loves you and who is stronger than the storm. This is who Jesus is. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you're stronger than the storm. And thank you that even in the storm, you're with us. Thank you that when the wind and the waves are huge, it's terrifying, you are with us. You do not abandon us. You shepherd us. You care for us. Thank you that you know what it's like to be in the storm. And thank you that you're stronger than the storm. And Lord, so many of us, we're walking through stuff right now. Give us faith to believe. Help us to believe it, Lord, that you're good, that you love us, and that you're stronger. Help us to believe and have faith that one day every storm will stop. That one day our faith will be made sight. Help us have faith that everything we're walking through, one day you will say, be still. You will say, enter in and rest. You will say, death to death. You will say, death to sickness. You will say, death to sin. You will say, death to pain. And Lord, in faith for that day, help us be faithful today. Help us in faith for that coming glory. Be faithful in this present pain. We need you. Holy Spirit, empower us to be faithful. We need you. Jesus, thank you that you hold on to us when we can't, we don't have the strength to hold on anymore. Thank you that you're holding on to us. 
In faith, we say, Lord, we believe, help our unbelief. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.